Well, it's always good to welcome on our friend Tim Fitzgerald of Go Power Cat, covering, of course, the Kansas State Wildcats. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Uh, Tim, let's let's just put a bow on hoops before we get to some uh, off-season football and, and talk about spring ball. Bruce Weber uh, has kept his job. That was not a surprise. We knew that uh, a little bit through the season he was going to keep his job based on what Gene Taylor had said. But where is the fan base on Bruce Weber? And I got to imagine that next year is what? NCAA tournament appearance or bust? Is that fair? Well, you would think so. I mean, you know, the problem is we just don't know what the parameters have been set by Gene Taylor. But Bruce has kind of set that. He's he's mentioned in interviews that they need to get to the tournament next year. And I think most of us would agree with that. I mean, anything less than that just seems... Um, a huge compromise after these past two seasons. So uh, they went into the portal, which was a big change for him. He does, you know, he's taken a few transfers, but never used it as a, a base of a recruiting tool. And he did that this year. So that offered some hope. And the question is, if they've improved, have they improved enough? Because there's a giant wasteland of teams between where K-State was and an NCAA tournament bid. So they got a lot of ground to cover. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, I mean, the transfer market, we have 1,300 guys in the transfer market. Uh, it seems like everyone's going to have to play that game, whether you like it or not. Is that something that suits well to Bruce Weber's uh, skill set, or is that kind of against what he's done in his career, which is really build up programs, and how big of a hurdle could that be for him? Yeah, it is against what he's done in the past. He's always, you know, gotten freshmen and developed them and – settled into his system and it takes a while to learn the defense of schemes. And we saw that, we saw that last year, they finally picked it up towards the end of the year. Um, so this is new. I mean, he's taken, uh, you know, someone else's guys that have other habits and maybe bad habits and going to have to try to teach them how to play those defensive rotations. And at the same time, not lose why they brought him in because they feel like all three of the guys they brought in are an upgrade offensively to what they had. So now the key is to teach them the defensive and rebounding principles that he likes. So it's a new challenge. It really is. And we'll see if he can pull it off. Well, Tim, let's, uh, let's go to football then. Um, this is a team that got off to a great start last year. The Oklahoma win again for a second straight year. Chris Kleiman's two and zero against the Sooners. It's pretty unbelievable to say it like that, but he is. Uh, but obviously the season didn't end on a high note by any stretch of the imagination. So what was the vibe? I know spring camp is over, but but what was the vibe this spring and how the team kind of felt and what it acted like based on how last year started versus how it ended? Yeah, you know, last year was one of the seasons that uh, just kind of fell off the rails for K-State. They started with the, the bad loss and then got to winning, uh, but the – I don't think we all understood the magnitude of Skyler's injury. At first, we didn't understand he was lost for the year, and then Will Howard came in and, and played well enough for them to win. But I think after a few games of film, uh, people started to figure out, well, one, we got to take away Deuce Vaughn. we got to limit him and, and put the game on Will Howard's shoulders. Uh, and then Bradley Moore gets injured. And so things just really came came unraveled, and they had some – Locker room issues that led to a bunch of guys transferring. I think they've cleaned that up, um, and uh, we'll see. I, it, it, this is a big season. We just talked about that with Bruce Weber having a big season. Year three of a football coaching staff is a really telling season, 
And after going to a bowl and then falling off the edge with last year, they really have to get back on track. And the good news is they do have Skylar Thompson back. And if he could stay healthy, I, I kind of like the chances. So what does that mean when you say year three expectations are up for Chris Kleiman? Uh, there's no doubt he exceeded expectations in year one based on what he was working with. You mentioned some of the injuries and issues in year two. Uh, what should the threshold be for uh, Chris Kleiman based on you know, where the Big 12 is at, which is a, a really loaded conference outside of Kansas, and um, based on you know what Kleiman should be able to do? What, what is that threshold for him? Well, it, I, I, it's got to get the postseason. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and I don't even think 6-6 six and six will be satisfying to the fans. <clears throat> so I, I think they probably need to get to that seven-win <clears throat> seven threshold and get through that. But um, we'll, we'll see if they can do that. The, the key to this team probably is that Stanford game right out of the gate. I mean, you lose that, you're all already behind schedule. Uh, you come home with Southern Illinois and a pretty good Nevada team before you start into just a brutal opening sequence to the Big 12. So, um, you know, if you can get to the midseason point at 3-3, three and three, which is pretty average, literally, uh, you're in good shape because the schedule turns to your favor tremendously after opening the Big 12 with Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Iowa State. So, um, yeah, I, they just kind of get over the hump and mm-hmm. get back to – winning some of these close games, and uh, they just really fell apart as the season progressed last year. What did you think about moving that Stanford game out of uh, Manhattan down to uh, Dallas? I mean, I I think college football is at its best when it's on campus, and I hate the fact, Tim, that you know these local businesses there who have struggled for the past year for obvious reasons lose this great home game where you hopefully had a packed house for a Power 5 non-conference matchup. I mean, what do you make of that, and – I guess more generally, what did the fan base think of that move? Well, pretty split as far as the fan base goes. And, you know, in my existence as a, you know, a Manhattanite and a former, you know, member of local business districts, uh, I, I know the economic impact of losing that game and I understand it. But also Gene Taylor, athletics director, has a responsibility to his fiscal uh, needs and and that payout for moving the game is probably very substantial in its post-COVID budget. So uh, I see both sides of it. Um, it. The funny thing about it is uh, I'm trying to look at this from the bigger perspective of just football. Just <clears throat> what's this mean for Kansas State football? And I, I think having the game at home makes it even more winnable than then down in uh, Arlington, I mean, you got that great home field advantage at Kansas State, an incredible atmosphere. Um, but by moving it to a neutral site, you kind of add more value to the game in terms of outsider's perspective. You, you're no longer just beating a team on your home field. So uh, I'm pretty 50-50 on it. I understand the needs of both uh, segments here, and there was no way to win the battle. I mean, Gene Taylor's got to pay his bills. And, you know, we all talk about, he should fire this coach, that coach, and just buy out the contracts. Well, that money's got to come from somewhere. So um, I think uh, he's trying to look down the road and make sure they're in good uh, financial standing. Before we continue with Tim, if you are liking the show, maybe you're new to the show or just you haven't done it yet, leave me a rating and a review on this podcast because we have a free Heartland College Sports koozie coming your way when you leave me a rating and a review and send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, 
at heartlandcollegesports.com. I appreciate that. It helps us out so much, more than you realize. Rating, review, send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. All right, now back to Tim. Tim Fitzgerald, Go Powercats, joining us. Tim, how about uh, Skylar Thompson? You mentioned him coming back, obviously a big get. And when you look at, at what his uh, ceiling is, and you mentioned obviously some of the injury issues, is this a guy who can can lead it? Do you think that Skylar Thompson is a guy that can help a Power 5 team win eight uh, games? Can he do that? Can he be that guy? Yeah, he can. Um, I mean, let's not forget he did that um, his first year with Chris Kleiman as the head coach. So, True. you know, he can do that. He's he's won on the road at Mississippi State, um, which is, you know, that program was down, but I would contend that maybe losing to K-State set a tone for their season in a negative way. And um, I, I think he's really grown as a leader, and I think what happened last season and having to come back for another senior season added even more hunger to him. So hopefully he can stay healthy and and the offense can really develop some weapons around him. Because at the end of the day, last year, uh, Will Howard was put in a horrible position as a true freshman that didn't have spring football, and he just didn't have enough weapons. He had Deuce Vaughn, that was great, but then Bradley Moore got hurt, and none of his receivers really performed well last year. So um, Skyler's going to need some weapons, including receivers, to step forward. Has the shine wore off Will Howard as a result of, like you said, a, a tough spot? And now with Jake Rubley in there, is is he kind of that uh, golden boy, so to speak, that people are looking at as the as the you know, heir apparent to Skylar Thompson? Or can Will Howard get back that that number two spot? What's the coaching staff think of that? Well, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, Jake Rubley comes in um, with full intent to redshirt, um, and he said that because the Skylar coming back, Will Howard with experience. And there's another quarterback, Jaron Lewis, who, you know, watching the hour-long uh, practice they had for the public, uh, they didn't have a spring game this year. Some of the best throws I saw all day were from Lewis. I mean, the kids really got a, a nice arm, just very inconsistent. So um, you look down the road another year, and they're in a really good position at quarterback. You've got a guy that will be back and Will Howard that has almost a full season, at least half a season of starting at the Big 12 level. He wasn't prepared for that uh, physically or mentally. He handled it as well as a, a kid could. I, I can't imagine going through that as a true freshman. Hell, I was scared of campus as a true freshman, <laughs> uh, let alone uh, starting at the Big 12 level against some of those athletes. So uh, I think Will will come out of that as a, a really seasoned guy. He, he looks different even on our Zoom calls we had in the spring. You can tell he shed some baby fat. He looks some more uh, filled out. So it's it's going to be interesting. They they hope to keep that red shirt on Jake Rubley, but you know, keep in mind that means he still could play four games with the new rules. So uh, they're in a really good position at quarterback, and if they can build some leads and have some blowouts this season, they can get those guys in and continue their progression and prepare them for 22 and beyond, where I think K-State, even post Skyler will be pretty darn good at quarterback. You mentioned there not having the weapons outside of Deuce Vaughn. So where are those weapons coming from this year? I mean, who are we expecting to step up and – and be a contributor on that, Tim. Well, uh, you know, really, I think everyone looks at Malik Knowles, a guy that clearly has the physical tools to perform. Uh, he had some injuries last year, and, and honestly, I think he was distracted by a lot of other stuff, and he uh, just didn't perform very well, dropped a lot of passes. You know, he started the year with just a spectacular catch in that Arkansas State game, and 
and really only had a handful of catches until the season finale. So it it was just a, a season to forget for Malik, and hopefully he can get back on track, um, and we'll see if that pans out for him. But he's got to be big, and I think the coaches, the fact that they didn't really hit the transfer portal hard uh, to go find um, uh, an everyday go-to receiver. I mean, they added Cade Warner late in the process, but he's more of a, a role guy, a leadership guy, set the tone uh, in in the film room, which I think maybe tell you what they thought their issue was. It was in preparation and focus more than talent, and uh, they brought someone in to correct that. So, Tim, what's the biggest concern that you have right now? What unit scares you the most, I guess you would say, is the weakest link on this team? That's a really good question. I, You know, offensively, the receivers have to step up. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Defensively, I'm really intrigued by the defense because um, I don't think I've ever seen a K-State team, even with Wyatt Hubert declaring for the NFL draft a year early, <clears throat> with this kind of depth at, at defensive end, they've got you know, six guys that they can rotate through. <clears throat> when they go to a speed rush package, they've got a bunch of guys that can come in and and, and fill that at the interior slots. I'm really intrigued by it. They're really going to need Timmy Horn, the Charlotte transfer, to step up a defensive tackle to give them enough depth there. Uh, and I think they're good on the back end with, with their secondary. So that leaves me at the linebacker spot where they lost two veteran linebackers. Uh, Daniel Green appears to be the heir apparent um, at linebacker to really step forward. But I am worried about the depth there, and, and I think that's just a position where uh, they continue to maybe keep their eye on the portal and see if they can find another guy or two because uh, I, I just don't know that they have the kind of depth to rotate players like they want to and need to at the potential level. Tim, last thing, uh, recruiting-wise, how is Chris Kleiman came in as a guy who could kind of take the Bill Snyder model, find the under-recruited guys, and win Power 5 games with him? How has his recruiting model changed, if at all, since he's come to Kansas State? Well, that's a good question, and we're kind of in flux with how he's recruiting right now because, honestly, they're, they're kind of getting their clock clean to a degree in the 22 class. Um, they're missing out on some guys that you would think they, they'd be getting. Uh, and, and I think they're finding it a little more challenging to recruit when you're not the the Alabama of your division. You mm-hmm. know, North Dakota State could go up and recruit against uh, FBS programs and, and get players to come into Fargo because they knew they'd be playing for the, you know, the highest levels uh, of competition. Uh, And uh, so they're trying to balance that by finding some guys that can be immediate impact. And I think we'll continue to see them peek into the portal a little bit, which is something he has said he doesn't want to do. He wants to be a developmental program and that sounds great. And that sounds noble. uh, But the reality is you've got to supplement some veteran guys to come in and help you out at positions. So, I think they're still in the formative process of how they're going to recruit, and they, they just have to find a way to lock down the state of Kansas better than they have been. Uh, honestly, Iowa State's beginning to come into Kansas and really do some damage, and that's something that they've got to stop. And Pete, they probably have to stop it on the field first. They got to, after what happened last year against Iowa State, they probably need to take back control of that series and uh, I don't know if they're capable of doing that right now because Iowa State really is on the rise. No doubt about it. He's Tim Fitzgerald, always the best insight for Kansas State. Tim, great to have you on, my friend, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, buddy. Good to talk to you. And it's always our pleasure. GoPowerCat.com, doing great work if you're a Kansas State football fan. Got to check them out. I mean, even if you're not, if you just want to know what's going on in Manhattan, GoPowerCat's the place to go. And we are your place for 
all Big 12 content at heartlandcollegesports.com. And please hit the subscribe button on this show. We've got a free koozie coming your way. When you leave me a rating and review on the show and send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. It helps this show grow every week. You guys are doing it. You're making it happen. And we appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you soon.